When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, a, little, a little gift. Just a little, Ooh, little bonus. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. It's the best. Yeah. The absolute best. <laughs> what is up, everybody? Welcome to the DMVR Nuggets podcast. Let's go. Let's go. That's the energy I needed. It wasn't Spencer's uh, Monster Energy drink that I thought was mine, and I drank in the. No, drink. you. No, you stole it. I stole that. I straight stole it, and then accused somebody else of stealing. I thought. Mine. Th- I'm sorry. I thought this was my car. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. No, the energy was just prevented from by you, beautiful gentlemen, and your energy you bring. I thank you for it. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. We got a great show for you today, guys. Day two of the off days in between games two and three. We're gonna do a mailbag. We're gonna talk about what the streets are saying, guys. I had my, you know, I had my ear to the streets this week, listening to what other analysts had to say about the Nuggets. I want to share nice. some of that. Um, and then we're also gonna talk about Nikola Jokic. Social media superstar. I don't know if you guys knew this. The one man not on social media, also the most popular man on social media. <laughs> Who would have guessed? Maybe we did. We'll talk about all of that. Uh, but to help me do that, dressed in all black, just like his soul, it's D-Line Co. Yeah, guys, it's a funeral for my innocence. It's over. <laughs> it's over. It took I, this long, huh? I was like a baby out of the womb till age 45. <laughs> now it's all over. <laughs> now it's all over. Uh, and then over there, the handsome one, Harrison Wood. Waiting for uh, tomorrow to unveil my first Miami fit. Oh, uh, talk to vote. Talk to vote has you covered. I mean, you could probably. He actually tried to give me a couple shirts. To and you were like, you were like, <laughs> but I was like, no, I don't wear an extra small. I was just gonna say, gonna say uh, bro, this doesn't fit. <laughs> uh, it, uh, He's definitely not listening. To this, uh, so honest to okay. God, is this fit? Is it a first time fit? Um, an FTF? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've had I've had this fit my, for a while. I've had it in the back of my head of <laughs> this is what I'm going to for game three. No. I love that this is deep. I love it. Yeah, but are you gonna, so you'll see. Are you gonna lay it out on the bed before? No, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna crumble it in my suitcase and it's gonna be all wrinkled Let's by the time go. I get there. <laughs> I don't think your wife would let you pull the first fit. You know, in Miami, that's that's like, uh, hey, wait, what? Am I like yeah, a yoke? She those. has to lay out the outfit for yeah, me yeah. before the game. <laughs> you I tell don't know. You tell me. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I will tell you right now. Yes, one hundred percent. That's how I am. My wife packs my vacation bag. I'm a man of my own style. Yeah. Not not me. So when you insult me, Eric, you insult my wife. I hope you feel terrible hey, Sheila, about yourself. You suck. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> um, but guys, enough of this bantering. We have to get to our top story today. Nikola Jokic, the number one player in the world, just so happens to be the number one social media star in the world. Kale, you have the doc pulled up. Do you have all the links here? Uh, Pull it up here because this came out. Actually, what I love about it is it came out from the NBA's communications social media handle. They're very proud of this. Very proud that Nikola Jokic's (laughs) videos over the last 30 days have done 316 million video views. And guys... I'm going to go ahead and take a personal victory lap and a collective victory lap for all of us because just last week we sat here and said, I think everyone's wrong that the world doesn't want more Jokic. 
I was watching a clip today from uh, Pat McAfee's show where he's interviewing Kendrick Perkins, and he's saying, I didn't know about the Joker other than I knew about him, but I never watched him. And God as I'm watching it. this whole play, I was well, Pat McAfee's not an NBA guy. You know, he's, he, Pat McAfee follows the narratives, but in. Yeah, but he, he would never be like, I never knew about LeBron James. Like, no, no, no. You have, then let me finish the McAfee thing because you would actually like it. He was talking to no, Perkins. No, no, I'm not mad at him. I'm mad at the paradigm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was talking to Perkins and he was like, why weren't you guys telling, showing God me this earlier? He was saying, like, when I turn the TV on, I always get LeBron, I always get this or that. He's like, I can't get enough Nikola Jokic, which is what we, well, first of all, we know this. We were the first fiends, right? Like, we, we, got, we got hooked eight years ago or we couldn't stop. But that was our whole point was seeing people talk about him in this playoff run. We were like, you know what? I'll bet, every, I'll bet we're not special. We were just first. Everybody would feel this way. And when I see that number win, I'm calling it victory. We were right. Yeah, I mean, I think it just shows that if you actually try to market him, he's yeah. marketable. <laughs> and that's been our point all along. Like, this guy can be the face of the league. Does this mean he's the most popular player in the league right now? Like, it, it might mean that. Um, but if you want this guy to be popular, he can be. You've just got to promote him. And that's what the NBA has done over the last 30 days. Yes, and you know, Mason, for the most first of, time ever. Most of the views are me. I like that. And me. I think I make up yeah, one the, million of The those thing views. is, is that they're not... He's not promoted the way they think you have to promote players. It's just they think that you need to have one-on-ones and they need need to grant access. And again, I hate those stories. Like, I don't want to know what these players have to say. I'm not interested in their thoughts, man. Like, for the most part, um, I love that Nikola Jokic leaves so much up to the imagination. And he allows him to reach that level of myth he is a myth like you don't know you just you're forced to fill in the blanks but you just see the part that is just so unbelievably interesting sometimes filling in the blanks sucks because it's like no he's telling where the bunny gets the milk not the, yeah, the water ring. Yeah, yeah it's true <laughs> but the point is is that there's just it it just makes people more and more curious more and more like if you don't People want to know about the bunny though. That's the point. Like yes. they don't want the ring. They want the like. Wait, hold on. How's this song go? Yeah, he gets the water or he drinks from the hand. Yeah. That, the, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> to your point, Eric, of these views, none of them have been of Jokic fighting with somebody. None yeah. of them have been of Jokic insulting somebody. None or of them being have like been all, of an interview. Yeah, none of them are like all. You know, I just gotta say at this moment, I feel like I'm the best player on the planet right, right, or right, whatever. Right, right. None of them have been that. Some of them have been funny press moments or this or that, but mostly it's just been the basketball, and that's been the whole point. And when we made the last week when we talked about this, you know, predicting it or at least saying why not, why not, why not, part of it was that it was almost refreshing to not think about that. When you said, you know, I don't, I don't remember how you phrased it a second ago, Eric, but it was perfect because it was, I don't ever think about what Jokic thinks about non-trivial things. I never think about whether he thinks the world is flat or not. I never think about how he feels about I just think about the basketball part of it, yes. and listen, I'm not trying to say if a player does want to be outspoken about that, then we that's not a knock. I'm just saying with so many people, it's nice that Yoke doesn't, and that our mind solely is about him playing basketball, and I do think it's a feature, not yes, a bug, and, and this is evidence of that. Yes, like Jokic, shut up and gallop. Shut up and <laughs> Shut up and gallop. And then the social media views part about this again, you guys remember years back, we had the, com- the debate are, is Jokic's highlight reel, is it as, like, where does it rank? 
you know, some players highlight. And I think Carmelo Anthony at the time was when we asked who has a better highlight reel. Who would you rather? <laughs> That's si- a hilarious question. Now, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Well, wow. I mean, I think it's more interesting because there are people that like the mellow. It's a more traditional highlight: dunk on guy, turnaround jumper, crossover, right? And there are people that would rate that type of highlight above every other type. But what we're learning is. People like the no-look passes, man. They like the weird, silly way he does slow-motion stomp, fast breaks, and scores it. And that's, I mean, people I think in media and at ESPN and some of these other people were like, nobody wants to see Jokic throwing no-look passes. It's like, no, they do. They actually really, really like it. Yeah, I don't know how you could ever say that, though. Like, who? why would no-look passes and, like... Jokic's style ever be something that people don't want to see? This, it, like, do people not want to watch highlights of Magic Johnson? Because that's yeah. what Jokic's highlight reel talk, mostly just, resembles. There are a lot of these um, archetype breakers that are coming up the longer that sports are around. Like, Great. Patrick Mahomes is a different type of quarterback. He does it a different kind of way. They like uh, Shohei Otani is a pitcher and it has the highest bat. Whatever. He's also a slugger. There's just like di- Nikola Jokic is such a like. I don't. He's just redefining what it is to be a good basketball player in the minds of so many, and it just there are guys that think that you have to talk like that. The NBA is pure attitude and pure fluff and pure marketing and all of the things that have gotten them to this level. The NBA is always like fighting for its uh, life in the context of American and just like larger sports attention. And that the thing because of like when they got popular and it was because of Michael Jordan and the way they got popular, there is a mindset that they think that's the only thing that can make them relevant. And they just get... They keep going back to the same well over and over, but it's like beautiful to see somebody that just exemplifies like what is purely like interesting and exhilarating about the sport, getting people interested in the sport, which is so much more valuable than just trying to fill your cup with like vapid marketing nonsense. It has staying power too. Yes. Like getting people interested in what's actually going on on the basketball court that will last longer yes, than getting people interested in Kyrie Irving wanting to team up with LeBron in Dallas. But but the thing is, we have to remember how these things work. Which and they work when social media departments and television departments grade things on this micro scale. Yeah, and yeah, they're like, yeah. we talked about this thing, and it gave us this tiny hit. Yeah. I think people were forced to show Jokic because he's one of you know, two te- it's on one of two teams that are in the final, so they were forced, and they're, to their surprise, it's working out this way, and that's that's the real point here. Somebody put in the chat a great comment. We tried nothing, and we ran out of ideas. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. Oh, I guess we'll just put a highlight together of Jokic's best plays. <laughs> and then there, yeah, exactly. But oh, the, wait, it actually, it actually people popped off? It? People wait, like wait what's, what's happening here? Let me go back to my algorithm. Like, what's happening and here? And I love, and, and again, as much as we like to rag on other people, I do just want to take a moment to say I think a lot of people, consumers, are having the Pat McAfee experience of even I'm surprised at how much I like this guy. And it's not, yes, maybe there's people to blame for that, but there's also just a, I don't know, that doesn't sound like a good sell. He's a center, but he's also a point guard. Yeah. And this and that. it doesn't sound as cool as it actually is when you watch where you're like, this dude is Will Chamberlain. Oh my God. I just hope we get to a point one day in the social media landscape where like ESPN social media people get the same amount of excitement 
like brewing over do a you? Jokic game last night that they do for like LeBron's latest. They will. Well, they totally will. Though, they, man. I hope we, we get to that part? point. We, one day. We, well, can we get to that point in a second here? Because I want to hit two other quick things before we circle back to that wind. Um, game number two. The numbers for this is on the, the clip there, Kale. Game number two pulled in comparable numbers to Warrior Celtics. Now, Celtics, that's a big East Coast market, a big prestige brand. Everybody knows the stars. Warriors, no bigger team. Nuggets, Heat, wait a second. Ratings, comparable? How could this be, you guys? Maybe it's not just the social media views. Maybe there is a genuine interest in something else. <laughs> Maybe people want something new. Maybe people just don't want to talk about the Lakers again and right. the Celtics again. Maybe people are actually interested in what's next yeah. in the NBA instead of always looking into the past. Maybe. I, just, I just love it. I, I mean, we always cite the NFL when we're talking about this, just that the way that it's talked about is that truly it's just like, it's not like, what does this quarterback have to say? It's like, man, look at this throw. Whatever. This, this is the best team. They're, they're, and it's... You just scratch your head like, I don't understand why there is a division. It's beautiful, though, because, you know, oftentimes, and I would say probably most of the time, the people making the decisions on what to be shown are working off of ideas that are completely and wholly divorced from the sport. Like, they're, they're not, at their core, probably sports fans. They're just business people that are looking to see where the money and the attention is. And it's amazing that Nikola Jokic is, is single-handedly rescuing basketball. <laughs> Maybe people like basketball. Maybe and then the don't. last one here, Kale, I love the most. If we look at the local markets, you know, number one in television ratings amongst local markets is Denver by a wide margin. And then you hashtag basketball town indeed. And then, of course, Miami and West Palm Beach both below there. You get San Antonio, weirdly enough, like in the top five somehow. But Denver being way up there makes me think two things. Number one. It, usually it should be the teams that are in there that should be the biggest draw, but to, for Denver to be that overwhelming. At I the like top. how San Antonio sneaks in there. It's weird, man. Just the diehard That's down a, in San Antonio. You want to talk about man. basketball town. Yeah, that is an incredible and maybe, base. But maybe it's also a little bit of a, ha, huh, this kind of reminds us of old Duncan. I, I just wonder oh. if there's a little like, you know, you like the I got to tune in to see have. the next, uh, dunk, uh, next yeah. dynasty built around, yeah. you know, Tim Duncan's next uh, generation guy. But I do love this, but also it makes me think, the Cronkies kicking themselves. The Cronkies kicking themselves. Is this a thing? No, where, but they should be. Well, you're right. <laughs> oh, that's the correct answer. <laughs> but are they looking at this going, man, we're using the old numbers. This, this dispute has been going on for three years, and there's probably this sense of, man, we're missing out on I the do, audience I've, of 2019. It's like, no, your audience is like seven times, ten times bigger than what it was. You just don't know it yet. Yeah. <sighs> when we were at the height or at least maybe even just the beginning of the concept of the conversations that are going on between Comcast and Altitude and why I'm so incensed at Comcast at the, in this argument is that I know Comcast is using data from when the Nuggets were at their lowest right. to yep. say what the value of this thing is, not <laughs> looking at like what it could actually yeah. be. They're like, oh, see, no one watches. Like, blah, blah, blah. Nobody we're not watches Emmanuel Moutier. Yes, and <laughs> you know what? They were right. They were right then. Like yeah. It, yeah. Um, but it just never 
acknowledge the fact that Denver loves when things go well with their sports teams and they will jump in with both feet. They are absolutely on board. The city of Denver is so into the Denver Nuggets right now and it is not even a little bit hard to imagine that happening in the same way that it happened for us over the past three years with the intensity getting higher and higher and higher and higher interest growing and growing and growing and growing. And like that's why I just I, I just I don't want to get back fully into that, but like, I just think, um, you know, Comcast is uh, the representative of the devil himself, and you should all take it out on them and never give them another dollar because they and they alone have stolen the nuggets from you over this time. So when I say the Kronky should be kicking themselves, the, the Comcast should be kicking themselves as well. And to an even bigger extent, in my opinion, the NBA should be kicking themselves once again because they have been sitting on the sidelines for this whole thing. How and many more times is Adam Silver going to say it's something that should not be happening? I know. Like, he I said know. the same thing for this three week, years. Even this week, He yeah. said it again this week in Denver. Yeah. Like, take a real stand, man. So if you could say, and I think <laughs> like, there's a real possibility. He, he could do something, like, but there, he obviously is okay with doing nothing. I just think, oh, look, all of us changed our lives to cover Nikola Jokic. Yep. All of us, to some extent, said, this is so dope that I would, like, take m enormous life risks to make to, because I want to be able to do that. And we can't be the only people on earth that feel this way, that feel this invested in it. And that's why I always say the NBA, it may very well turn out that the NBA had their next Steph Curry right under their nose. Yeah. And are going to lose but, at least portion. I mean, they might be overcorrected next year. This is the thing, though, is that they did everything wrong, and they're going to get to the right answer. But they maybe they're too late. I'm just saying they. It's could've... not. It's not. Well, it might be right on time. Like either, the, either, the, either way. I'm but just... like, just. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm on. I'm on one here. The, 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 be, be on one. The the cronk the cronkies could not accept the Comcast offer because it was so criminally low that it set a precedent for years to come, and they knew that. If they devalued their network that much, they could never get that groundwork back. Comcast was just squeezing them because it's called collusion. They have the ability to squeeze out anyone they want to if they decide to because they control all of the water and they could just turn the water off. The Cronkies just were drinking and then they got the water turned off. They're like, hey, can I have more water? They're like, eh, how about fuck you? And they're like, okay. Anyway, Comcast is... I can't get over how much, how evil I think they are. And I don't blame the Cronkies at all for not signing that deal. Comcast is going to come back to the bargaining table now that they see that. And like the the Cronkies will be made full. And if they accepted the deal early on, they, they would forever be valued at that. That's how this shit works. There is some, yeah, I mean, what Eric's talking about here, like the macroeconomics of it, that when you devalue yourself, you've, you've, you've lowered the, the starting point for all of this. Right. And now, I'm sure Comcast made that offer with no intention that no, Altitude they don't was ever going to sign. Do they do not care. think, though, that they're going to look at these numbers and say, like, wow, we might be able yes. to sign up a lot of people for Comcast? I don't think so. I don't think, yes, so, I don't I don't think so. they lost the Yes, client, they though. are. They're going to be like, wow, this town actually really cares about basketball. Look at those numbers. Now it's time to invest. Like, I think I think Al Altitude is such a minuscule drop in the bucket for Comcast that I don't think the, it's going to With Moutier numbers. Even with the, that, even that with number that numbers, they that they just showed, that's, that's the NBA, NBA finals though. Yes, but that's I know, not a regular season game. But that hints at the interest, interest that, it, that exists in Denver, Colorado. It and says that they could be like the Warriors in theory. It could be like a Warriors local rise where everybody just catches yes, Nuggets fever. Yes.
for a period of time. Yeah. I've split the I difference. don't think it's going to change. I hope it does, but yeah. I split the difference on this. I although I will agree with Harrison, I don't think that they're going to come to the table. I just think that they're I, I think that that both sides are sitting in their mansions probably going like, "Wow, we really screwed ourselves on this, didn't we? Missed out on this one. Um, on the other side, though, I want to keep... To, we're going to get into some more stuff about Game 3, of course, later on in the show. But I do want to spend at least a portion of next segment talking about... All right, Jokic, social media star. What does that mean? What does that mean? Mm. Is, that, is that a positive? <laughs> Are we sure that's not? there's not weird ripple effects here? Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of... DNVR make sure to pick up some Mile High City Golden Ale so you're ready to go for tomorrow game three check out all your favorites from Breck Brew the Avalanche Amber Fun Slinger Juice Drop Juice Drop IPA one of my favorites but also check out the Mile High City Golden Ale Breckenridge Brewery the official beer of DNVR if you're local stop into the DNVR bar we got tons of Breck Brew on tap if you're not local check out the Breck Brew beer locator on their website just type in your zip code tells you exactly where to get Breckenridge Brewery, no matter where you are. Uh, so check out Breck Brew, the official beer DNVR. Make sure you have some Mile High City Golden Ale, if you can find it. If you can, if find, you can it. find it. Yeah, it's true. Uh, ready to go in the fridge. I also recommend Fun Slinger. That's my, that's my rest. Can I tell you guys, if you want to try a new one, try Fun Slinger. Yeah, dude, don't say that around the Australians, man. I'm I'm going to end up being <laughs> a, a bucket deep on, on the Fun Slingers. <laughs> what happened? I'm just... Uh, I can't say no to an Aussie, dude. <laughs> Are you dreading hanging out with the Australians tomorrow night again? <laughs> More my liver than me. I enjoy the Aussies. I can't say no. They're my favorite people. And they're not. They're great people. Man. They don't have my best interest in mind. I'll say that. <laughs> Are they using you? Is that what it is? No. They Come just, on, Eric. Just drink No, they're one. assimilating me. It's even worse. <laughs> also, check out Ivy Nutrition of Wash Park. You got to go to their Wash Park location to get this deal. Mention DNVR when you stop into their Wash Park spot. Corner Alameda and Downing. Anyone who mentions DNVR gets 50% off their first IV nutritional drip. Give them a call if you want more info, 720-259-4404. They're super professional. We've all been there. We've all gotten IVs from IV Nutrition at the Wash Park location. Yeah. They do a great job oh, there. They need to offer an, Austri an Aussie package <laughs> for me specifically. Show your Aussie passport, <laughs> get 50% No, off. just show like the scars that your body has, under has taken on since they've come into town, dude. Um, they've got uh, the IV drips, of course. They've got wellness blood testing and consultations. Like they got intermuscular do. injections <laughs> with vitamin formula. Check them out. Mention DNVR when they come in. Get 50% off your first IV nutritional drip. Call them 720-259-4404. All right, to tie a bow on this topic, um, number one, will the Nuggets be a marquee team next year? We always laugh whenever the national television games come out and the Nuggets are like below Dallas and below all these other teams. I just wonder, is this a watershed moment? The data coming in. Do you think this is next year? Jokic's name in lights on every Thursday. Yes, I think they're now going to be the default team when you go past LeBron, the Warriors, you know, and then it might be Jokic. Like, I think he's on Den that Denver. second yeah. second tier right now. Yeah. Past, you know, just the, the names that are always going to be the defaults. Yeah, he's, on, he, they, he, he's hit Giannis level. Yeah. Giannis level is about what you could ever hope for a team like Denver that's like doesn't have just a built-in army of fans that just are, you know, that 
care right. about it, don't care about it. But yeah, I mean, I I would say, would you, I mean, you you would would you consider past KD, past John Morant, past Zion? Yeah, yes, Giannis. Yes, level. Yes, He's yes. Giannis level. Yes, come. Warriors, Lakers. You're right. They're like the two top brands. So yep. maybe maybe not them. Um, definitely past Embiid. Definitely above Boston. Right. So we expect that. Now the second part of that is, are we going to get annoyed of it? Because yep. as much as you said, like, hey, now it's great. I mean, there's just going to be more tweets about it. There's going to be more stuff, and it's going to be more like Yoke's pointing at his ring again. Oh my God. Like, ah. it's, it's funny because we've always wanted the national attention, and then when we got it this year, we're like, oh, nobody knows what they're talking about. It's like you can't have both. No, like, yeah, you, no. you can't be upset about the lack of national attention, but then also pissed about how nobody can talk about the Nugget. Like, if the Nuggets are being talked about, on first take and NBA today every day, they're going to be talked about like in a way that seems like nobody knows anything about the Nuggets. Like that's just how it is. Well, Mike. Well, somebody had the good point. This Washington Post actually, it wasn't a good point. I didn't like it. It was the article that was about. <laughs> it was like the Nuggets are learning that it's not always great to be in the spotlight, and it's like, guys, that's a misreading of the Michael Malone thing. Michael, no Malone, shit. It's so annoying. Michael Malone. People really don't get it, but look, he's played this right, and whoever wants to complain about it, I'm sorry. You're just upset that the mirror has been held up to you. But the difference is, I do think the Nuggets correct next year in that they become a marquee team, and it's like, now you don't have that uh, to complain about. So I, I, don't, <laughs> I do think we'll get annoyed. I do think there'll be a lot of stories, and it will become a new challenge for the Nuggets being a marquee team. I mean, that's one of the things you can say about LeBron, and we mentioned it when he came to town for the conference finals he knows how to handle the circus really really well and it's almost impressive the way he handles some of these tough questions and knows how to like just 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 handle those moments but let's turn into another topic though one that i don't think we're going to make this topic annoying but has been annoying over the last 48 hours and that is we didn't get to this yesterday that's why i love our show we talk about all the little breakdowns and things and thoughts of of game two and we didn't talk about the big one which was Turning Jokic into score. Is that actually yeah. a smart thing? <laughs> now, there's dumb ways to talk about this. But I'm going to say that, like with the Rui adjustment, <laughs> Malone was upset, I think, in large the part Rui about how the Rui adjustment will always be. <laughs> it will always be the Rui adjustment. The Rui adjustment. <laughs> Years from now, we're going to be talking about <laughs> the Rui adjustment. The breath that was given to it and the things Poor people Rui. said about it were wrong. But it's not wrong that that's the best way to guard Jokic is to have a roaming rim protector. Turning Jokic into a scorer is phrasing that makes it sound different than what it actually is. What you're really saying is, is it worth selling out, getting the ball popping at all costs? And obviously the result of that is Jokic scoring more and passing a little bit less. And I think the answer is definitively yes. If you could take one of anything away, you would take it away, right? So the, naturally, if you could take away the ball movement of Denver's office, that doesn't mean you're making Jokic score. It just means you're taking something else away. And to me... I, this one does deserve the breath. Now, it can be phrased differently, and I think this is why Spolstra... Spolstra got mad at Ramona Shelburne and so called it the untrade eye, which, by the way, <laughs> that's the new... Cas is, we don't have to say casuals anymore. We just untrained have to say, eye. yeah, well, that's untrained eye talk over here. <laughs> but the thing is, I think Spolstra is twofold. One, I think every coach wants to diminish something when it's actually correct. Of course. So there's a little bit of this like... That's actually what they're trying they're to do. They're actually like, yeah, we really clearly like this. And like, like, I don't want to say this is the game plan, so I'm just going to say you have an you're untrained eye. You're an idiot. Eye. Yeah, you're yeah. an idiot, you untrained eye. <laughs> so I think there's a little bit of that. But I think the other thing is there's a perception of, oh, they just stayed home on shooters. It's not that. They're doing a lot of things to disrupt the Nuggets' offense, and the end result of that is that Jokic has to score more. 
But it's not like they're guarding him one-on-one. They're sending help. They're stunting. They're crowding the paint. They're not trying to make him score one-on-one. They're trying to disrupt. And I do think they've done a great job in game two of making Denver play the way they're most vulnerable. Yeah. The conversation around that was so funny because you had Eric Spolstra saying Ramona Shelburne has an untrained eye, but then you had (laughs) Mike Brown and Steve Kerr the day after, coming out and saying, yes, they're doing the right thing. Making Jokic into a score is the right defense to play. Wind. After the game, Cody Zeller goes, we're happy with him to let him score 41. Yes. <laughs> like, and and the conversation on Twitter sure has that's been a train hilarious dive? also that's because true. everybody has sided with Spolstra right. and being like, oh, Ramona Shelburne, you idiot. Like, no, man. And I said this after the game, too. Making Jokic into a scorer is the right strategy, and it's what Miami did. Like, if you just look at the numbers, he only had 11 potential assists in that game. It's third fewest all playoffs. He averages 17. You know, he only made 68 passes in game two. Only 13 of them let the shot attempts. Big, that was the real lowest number. amount in the entire playoffs. That's a, that, that's it real. was definitely a thing. And then people were also shouting out like, oh, Nuggets still had a 125 offensive rating. If you look at the offensive rating when Nikola Jokic was on the floor, it was like 110. A lot of that was because the bench scored really well. So, yes, making Nikola Jokic into a scorer was a thing. It did work. I don't think that's like front and center and the biggest thing on the Miami Heat's game plan every single game. But to just dismiss it as something that's not happening, I I think is kind of crazy. But I would say that a lot of that is like he becomes a scorer when others aren't scoring. Like there are, they didn't do something to like, now you're a scorer. He's like, hey, Uh, Mike, you want to make this shot? Why didn't you? Why, it would have been doper if you made this. Show. I mean, they perhaps they are. I have a bit of an untrained eye, but I'm just saying. Like, for me, it's like the fact that uh, Nikola Jokic had four assists as more about guys not being able to make the shots that he gave to them. So he's like, "All right, I guess I'm doing it. Like, let's go." Um, more so than saying, "Like, all right, Jokic." Everybody else is on lockdown. Now I, you score. I, I will say this about the four assists. I went back and looked at every shot because I, I was really curious about this. And you, a lot of people were saying, oh, the Nuggets just missed threes. There are only four potential assists left on the board from Jokic on really? missed three-point attempts. Oh. So if the Nuggets had converted every shot, every three-point attempt from a Jokic assist, he would have only had eight assists. Though. Interesting. Interesting. Well, is that, a, it was, was that just three-pointers? That was three-pointers. Well, this, three this is why I interjected, though. Here's, here's why. Because it was about taking care of Murray. Like, this is less a Jokic adjustment and more a Murray adjustment. In Denver, a lot of the ball popping comes from the Jokic-Murray two-man game, and in particular from Murray turns the corner and he can score, he scores. If If you overload on him, he gets it to Jokic, and now that's where Jokic's assists are coming. I would guess a good percentage of Jokic's assists are also Murray hockey assists, meaning Murray Jokic assist, Mm -hmm. right? And when you take that away and you smother Murray the way that Jimmy Butler successfully did in game two, naturally the rest of it is going to be a little stuffier and a little clogged. So for me, it's, again, the phrasing of it, make Jokic a score. That's not their goal. Their goal is to disrupt the Murray-Jokic pairing, and one of the results of that is the ball pops less. And I think it was so obvious what happened in the first quarter of game two the first, if you remember the first half of the first quarter, the Nuggets had like nothing going on offense. And you could see the switch flip with Nikola Jokic. I think he looked around and was like, Jamal doesn't seem like he has it. Mike, I don't know where he's at right now. It's going to be on me. And I saw this live being at Ball Arena. Like you could see him flip the switch and be like, 
all right, I'm just going to have to score tonight. Right. And that kind of bled into the entire rest of the game. So yeah. I, I think that was convenient because the Heat were like, oh, he's scoring. Nobody else has it going. All right, let's just keep this status quo. Like, let's keep going with this. Right. So I think just how the game started helped that kind of transpire for the rest of the game. too. I'll, I'll say this. I actually think Jokic, if the game three goes like game two did, meaning if they successfully bother Murray again, and look, Jimmy Butler's really freaking good. He's capable. Like, Nikhil Alexander-Walker was incredible on Murray. You knew at some point he was going to figure it out and get through it. Jimmy Butler might not. Like, sometimes a player cancels another one out, but that's their queen in Denver's night, right? Like, that's... If yeah. you can still win with that trade-off. Yep. But if that happens, and it does come down to that, I think Yoke actually needs to be even more aggressive, more assertive, and more dominant. And when I, we were talking about all the things that bounced, you know, that could have bounced one way or another, we're talking about, oh, they shot so well, and Porter shot so poorly, and all this or that. I still think the number one area of regression that I would feel best about, Yoke missed a bunch of bunnies, man. Yep. And, and he misses... I think Yoke figures teams out over the course of a series. This is a very tough team to find, figure out because they're very smart. But I do look at some of this and I say, Kevin Love disrupted him a little bit on some of these roles where he just got hands up. But in ways that won't always disrupt him, it's just like, oh, okay, that's what he does. Then I got to go to this one. And so in this next game, if that happens, 45, 50, not off the table, but more to the point, even higher efficiency, even though he shot 57%. Yeah. So yeah. um, let's take a quick break. Another thing, though, that might lower the efficiency, Cody Zeller got cooked last game. Part of their game plan, and even Yoke turned it up during the Cody Zeller minutes, but what if the Heat don't go to Cody Zeller? Do they have another option that they might go to just saying, hey, we might as well put anything else out there because that did not work? When you get hurt, Bacchus and Shanker, they are here to help. They've been winning for Colorado families for more than 25 years. Let's go. Coolest thing about Bacchus and Shanker, you don't pay them any money, not a dollar. What? Until they win your case. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Yes. Yep. Uh, free until they win your case. No upfront fees. No fees while they're working on your case. You just pay them when they're putting money in your pocket. They've won over $1 billion for their clients. They work and help with all kinds of injury cases where you weren't at fault. Car accident, motorcycle, rideshare, pedestrian, trucks. They can even help you if you're injured at work. Give them a call, 222-2222. Find out if you have a case for free, Backs and Shanker wins. They've got neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Englewood, and Fort Collins. 100 staff members, 30 lawyers. They got the power to win your case. They've won over $1 billion for their clients. Give them a call, 222-2222, to find out if you have a case for free. Um, also, Athletic Greens, a great way to start your day. A great... Oh beginning to your morning routine oh if you want better gut health if you want more energy they should call it australian guard <laughs> australian guard one if you want to protect yourself like it's hanging out with australians yeah. here in denver ag1 is the one you need to put that in your lineup <laughs> that's good um but if you also want more energy if you hate taking pills and vitamins athletic greens is the perfect alternative with just one scoop of it, you get 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. It's lifestyle-friendly, so no matter what diet you're on, it works with that. So it's time to reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. 
Just one scoop of Athletic Greens and one cup of water every day. No need for a million different pills and supplements. Athletic Greens is going to hook you up with a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com nuggets. Athleticgreens.com nuggets to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, there we go. Back here, segment three, DNVR Nuggets podcast. Don't forget, guys, if you ever miss a show, make sure you subscribe to us as a podcast as well. That way it's just always on your phone. You're in your car, you hit play. You can get that on Spotify. You can get that on Apple Podcasts, literally anywhere you get podcasts. Um, so Cody Zeller getting cooked in the series. Oh, boy. Um, they don't have another big, per se, that they could roll out there. I mean, you know, they're not going to do that. They don't have another big, but... When is there any chance they look at that and say, we got murdered in those minutes. What if we just go small and play a zone or try something else and load up? Do you think there's any chance that, I mean, does Denver need the Cody Zeller minutes? Um, I think I just don't see Miami tweaking their game plan that much from game two. Because they won. Because they won. And um, yeah, look, the Nuggets dominated the Cody Zeller minutes. But I will say this, Nikola Jokic expended a lot of energy in those minutes too because if you remember those buckets he was getting in those minutes some of them at least one-on-one in the post against cody zeller coast to coast yeah he was scoring every time but like i think those took a toll on him and you know it, it zapped a little bit of energy from him so i i don't think miami has a ton of options that they can go to i feel like they've played everybody that we might see in this series um like they made the first big move of the series and putting Kevin Love out there. And so I, I think they just kind of stick with game two. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what you see out of every team. They adjust when they have to. Like It's rare for teams to just preemptively make an adjustment to something that's working. Then take it a different direction. Is Jokic going to continue to dominate those minutes like he did in game two? Is he going to dominate them even more? <sighs> I mean... I think he'll probably dominate them more. They that that's a very weak spot for them. I mean, this is what adjustments are. Is just like finding the the weak link, the the soft spot in the defense of the other team, and that just gets that evolves as you know the defense moves and changes. I'm sure that they'll roll Cody Zeller out again. I'm sure Jokic will make it a point to punish that, um, and then we'll see another adjustment that comes from that. Like. Uh, I just, yeah, think, I, just, I just think the size disparity in game one was yep. so jarring and like such a big reason why the Nuggets dominated that game, or at least the first three quarters of it, where I think Miami knows they just need tall players. Yeah, they just need bodies. And I actually think maybe he'll dominate them less because now you right. I think you're, I've, I'll split the difference once again. Same personnel, different strategy. Mm-hmm. That would be my guess. And now it's so that it's not just a thing. Jokic is like, okay, I know exactly what to do. You got to give him a different look during those minutes. Um, lastly, I want to talk about fourth quarters here because if you look at the fourth quarter, the Miami's a fourth quarter team. They're just very good. B-Ball Breakdown had a great breakdown about how the Heat switch up their offensive attack in the fourth quarter. They do something completely different. It's part of they're willing to sit on their best pitch, so to speak, until the fourth quarter. And it's why they are, what, four and one, been trailing by eight points or more going into the fourth quarter. All other teams are one in like 150 it's so they are a huge outlier because they're willing and this is why if Denver goes into the fourth quarter up five, you shouldn't say, Oh, great. It's like, no, they they have a, a game plan and strategy here. But here are the numbers, Harrison. The Celtics were minus fifteen in the fourth quarter. 
The Bucks were minus 64 in the fourth quarter in the series. The Bucks minus 64. That's how they lose in five. Denver minus 21. So this is what the Bucks do. There are the the Heat do. They are on a pathway of repeating what they did to the Bucks, which is to say lose quarters one through three, but dominate quarters four. Is this something or nothing? I think it's something. I think it's a uh, Eric Spolstra like card that he plays. Like, I don't think a lot of teams are saving things for the fourth quarter. I know the Nuggets aren't. Like, I think Spolstra, like, that's just, a, just hand it to an interesting thing that he has, <laughs> and that's worked for them. Well, and so it's something that Nuggets have to be ready let's, for let's now. For yeah. yeah. Uh, um, what about you, Eric? I mean, the Nuggets oh, were it's so definitely something. It's definitely something. I mean, it's just how many times do you see something in a row before you realize like how intentional it is? Like that's. But but are you confident? The Nuggets have been a four. That's been their quarter, right? Um, wasn't required in game one. Was absolutely required in game two. Game of adjustments. I do think that the Nuggets realize okay. This is what the Heat want to do, so we have to actually be ready for this. Also, we need to like not. We need to treat the first three quarters of the game a little bit like we treated the regular season and make sure that we have enough in the tank for when they're really de- like de- uh, give their best punch, but also like be ready schematically and like right. have all of these things sort of in a row. Um, Do you think, though, that Denver is more likely to be up by enough going into the fourth, a la game one? Or do you think it's more no, they can need to adjust to win the fourth quarter? What do you think is more likely? I think game three will be tight. I think most of the rest of the games will be pretty tight, to be honest. I don't know, man. We've seen this. Like, the last series was the Heat 1-1, got the their doors blown off them, right. got the doors blown off them, came back. Like, I think that there will be time. I Like, I would not at all be surprised if the Nuggets just bludgeon the Heat in the next game. Denver, I think, has won five of the eight quarters. So Yes. But... I mean, that's about half. I mean, it's only slightly. Not right. Hard. Like, I mean, I I don't think it's at all unthinkable that this series goes seven games, but I still am in the Nuggets and five camp. Like, I, I'm i not so discouraged by the last game because not just because of the final margin being three points and the, the Nuggets truly had the shot in the air that would have tied it, but I, it's just like the Nuggets did not play well at all. And they were in that position. Right. Yeah. I just, you know, like I, I, I know that everybody is now looking at this series like, oh, you know, look, this is what the other teams thought, blah, blah, blah. But that's not true. Like the Heat came out and they beat the Celtics three games in a row. Never in question, truly. It's, it's funny. If you look, Nuggets in five is the like lowest odds to bet on the outcome of the series. I just, Still. Yeah. I, yes. I, we're just in. We're just sitting in our dirty diapers right yeah. now. We're just sitting in them, man. And like yeah. everything feels bad and it just feels like uncertain. But I just think that like, I think the Nuggets are just going to play better, you know? The only thing I'll say is this is the one team, Miami, that was undervalued even after being up 2 0 and coming home. Like, so they're, it's just one of those things where, I, and this is why it brings us to a new segment. We keep saying, what are the streets saying? What are the streets oh. saying? Uh, I'm listening to Tim Legler on uh, Low Post. I love Tim Legler, by the way. Great, oh, great analyst. This is it's not a direct quote. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. He says, I feel like Denver is playing at about 70%. And the question is, will that 30% come? Is there something to what Miami does that limits teams to 70%? And this comes back to what I mentioned about Dan Devine in his article the other day about 
uh, at some point you have to quit saying teams just play poorly against Miami and say that there's something they do that makes teams look like. I mean, Malone coming out and being like, that's not who we are. Miami makes teams into not what they are. So, um, yeah, totally fair. So I think that was a good question, and that's why I love – I'm with you on – mentally I'm with everybody. I think the Nuggets are better. They have more margins for error. But Miami somehow gets teams to not do the right thing, yep. and that's that's the only thing that makes me hesitant. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I I understand it, and there's something very valuable about that. Like, but you know, typically speaking, like Rudy, like doesn't actually win the championship. <laughs> Made a good Disney movie though. Yeah, but like so whatever. Like, the Heat can make a good right, afternoon. Cinderella never. Yeah, man. Like. They don't. Act, yeah, they don't actually win the championship. More level. often than not, that it's just like, oh, an inspiring story. He got the opportunity to play. Um, the Heat are <laughs> just. They've got. They've got a lot. And again, I just the the thing that I'm most annoyed about in all of this, the entire narrative, this entire postseason, is pretending that the Heat are just this come from nowhere like Cinderella story. Where did they come from? Uh, I mean. Who could have seen the team that was in the Eastern Conference Finals last year and the finals <laughs> the year before could make this run after half their team was injured all year and they barely tried? It's so miraculous to see. It's like, no, this listen, man. They have a lot of, they have a lot of great players. They have a lot of pride. They have a lot of history. They are solid top to bottom in their organization. But the way that I don't know, man, like we, they don't have Jokic. Yeah. They don't have Jokic. Yeah. Need Jokic to come through. Legler also has this one. Miami is taking advantage of Denver's overreaction to Jimmy Butler. I strongly agree with this, by the way. I'm doing the list tonight. I've got all my clips picked out. I'll probably rewatch the fourth quarter again tonight, maybe add a few more. But I'll have the list by the time everybody wakes up tomorrow. This is one of my big notes, man. Denver's going to have to pick between trying to guard Jimmy Butler one-on-one -on -one or giving up wide-open threes. I think the choice is obvious, but... Jimmy hasn't had a big game yet. No, nope. I think he has a big game in Game Three. Maybe. Well, I'm saying I think he does how because long I think it, how long has it been since he's had a big game? But I think part of that is Not because since he, he killed, sprained his ankle. But part of that is I think he kills you because teams overreact. Like Denver, he hasn't had a big. He had a big game in Game Two as a passer and a setup yeah. guy. He was huge, and I think Denver's going to look at that and say seven they might one, make two. they might make uh, passes, they might make shots. But let's see if Jimmy has another 40-piece in him. To your point, his I'm ankle might mean his big game is 30 instead of yeah. 57 or whatever it was. All I know is that the as soon as I planted my flag on, wow, Jimmy Butler is different. He just... He, He's like Jamal Murray. He no. can turn it on in the playoffs. It's this. He but scores he fifty-three that points. Game, I'm just saying, like he scored fifty. He was the consensus best player in the playoffs. Best player in the playoffs. Fifty points. Fifty-four points. And like he's like. But Eric, I'm telling you that no, I disagree, man. He like was points great. wise. Well, points wise, yes. But the point is, I think people are so afraid of his points that they're. Denver's compromising their defense and getting open shots to these great shooters because they're so afraid. And I'm just saying, maybe you actually should find out if he still has it or not. And that to yep. me, and the overreaction, Miami's done some smart things to lure Denver into that. And I just think Denver needs to say, Aaron Gordon, you got to stop him, man. We got to make 100%. Jimmy a scorer. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, you got to make him a scorer. It's funny you say that because <laughs> it's, true. it's actually funny because I think Jimmy Butler is very similar to Nikola Jokic in a, in a lot of yep, ways I agree. for the Miami Heat because I need to hear this one out. After game one, <laughs> after game one, Jimmy Butler was peppered with questions about. Are you being too passive? Do you need to score more? God. 
How many times have we like yeah. asked Nicole Jokic that in years past when the Nuggets haven't like had that offensive night? And Jimmy Butler sat there and said, "No, man, I'm just gonna play basketball. Yeah. I'm gonna play the right way. I agree. I'm gonna trust my shooters, and that's how we're gonna win the championship." It really reminded me of how Nicole Jokic thinks about the game of basketball, and like. Jimmy Butler's not going to force the issue, man. If he gets double teamed, he's passing to Gabe Vincent. Like, he's going to trust Caleb Martin. He's going to trust his guys in the same way Nikola Jokic does. I I think those two guys have a very similar thought process when it comes to the game of basketball. So, yes, I actually think how the Nuggets should defend him is how the Heat have tried to defend Nicole Jokic. Guard him one-on-one with Aaron Gordon. Make him take 30 mid-range jumpers to try to beat you. Or even layups. I I know you don't want to give up layups, but it hurts a lot less than these kick out three, three, and all of a sudden these guys are going. And the last thing is, Jimmy, it's not just that he's a willing passer. I think his drives are intentional the same way Jokic's are. Jokic looks at the defense and goes, ah, so if I dribble this direction... I'm either going to get one-on-one going to the basket or this guy's going to step up and they're compromised. So Jimmy, it's not just that he's being passive. It's that he's deliberate in how he attacks to set up the passes. Yeah. And that's why I think he's actually been great, not bad. Like, he's been great. He's not going to force the issue. He's going to take what the defense gives him. They had a 129 offensive rating. The same way Nicole Jokic does. Um, uh, and that's you know that's what Denver has to realize. And what, they, what they need to do is they need to tell Aaron Gordon to start to start clowning Jimmy Butler, get him in that Grant Williams headspace where it's like the whole thing. It's like all, and it's like all about that, and he starts losing the 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 team basketball so he just thing. Wants to go prove yeah, you like make, make make Jimmy a jerk again. <laughs> <laughs> um, then lastly, Chris Thomason of the Gazette went down. I had no idea, you guys, that Wilt has family that lives in Colorado Springs. I had no idea. And I love it. Wilt Chamberlain? Wilt Chamberlain. I think it was a sister or nephew or niece. I can't remember exactly. I'll have to, I'm missing the detail here because I didn't write it down. But interviewed a family member who said Wilt would be proud of Nikola Jokic and love and would love that he's breaking his records, namely the triple double record in the playoffs. And I just sat here thinking, like, that's a really cool. I always like when people find a story that you didn't even think of, you know, that you couldn't even conjure up. And I'm sitting here going, that's kind of a cool little stamp of approval. I saw Steve Ashburner. He covers the NBA. He's a huge Wilt fan. He's an old-timer, huge Wilt fan. And I asked him about how weird is it that Yoke is the evolutionary Wilt, yet he's the lead. They're physically opposites. Yeah. But somehow they... And socially. And just and every, socially. everything else about them. <laughs> <laughs> Although they, did, they so both hard. do show up or did show up in pretty like stunning outfits to games. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Hey, great point. Will wasn't like, this is where the buddy drinks. He's like, yeah. put your room key in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought that was cool. Let's take a break. We got a mailbag on the other side. We're going to wrap up with a couple of quick hitter questions from the mailbag. Uh, guys, FOCO is a great partner of ours here at DNVR. FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items. They've got really cool stuff on their website. Uh, It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Um, We got a lot of set decorations from FOCO. We got a lot of stuff in the studio from FOCO just around the office. 
Foco always has our back for Colorado sports. They have yours to get the best gear around. And remember, this stuff is officially licensed for all sports and fandom. So it's real legit stuff. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description for all non-presale items. Use the promo code DNVR for 10% off. All non-presale items use the promo code DNVR for 10% off. Yeah, you know, you like go to FOCO. If you go to like somebody, like I always had a friend whose dad was like a sports nut and he had like the coolest bobbleheads and like the coolest things that he had acquired and accumulated over the years. Like this is that thing where like in 50 years, somebody's like, that's incredible. Where did you get that? Like, you got I used, FOCO. You're like, I saved 10% 50 years ago. Yeah, 10, 50 years <laughs> ago. On non-pre-sale <laughs> items. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, one more real quick. Uh, guys, Kind Love. You uh, stop in to a Kind Love location, 25% off in-store purchases with the code DNVR. That's a massive, massive discount. Yeah. Kind Love was one of the first dispensaries in Colorado. One of the real ones. Established in 2010 and they're known for cultivating some of the highest quality cannabis oh my gosh, in wind. the state. This is day this is day three, you know. Wednesday. Oh. I knew we didn't have a kind love one today. Oh no. <laughs> anyway, we love kind love. <laughs> Anyways, it's a uh, shout out to kind love. A uh, 25% off in-store purchases with the code DNVR. They got stores in Cherry Creek or North Denver mentioned DNVR received the DNVR exclusive discount, 25% off. All Kind Love flower pre-rolls in the Turbo Joint line. KindLove.com. Yeah, dude. And it, it flies in the face of the rough love that we all receive on this show. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. All right, let's open up the mailbag here. Got to get a couple ones here. First one comes from Justin Galt. He asks, how nervous are you going into game three? What's your confidence that the team responds similarly to game five versus Phoenix? I'll go first on this one and just say I think this is different than game five in a couple ways. Number one, game threes are always different than game five. Game five, generally, the cards are on the table by then. Mm -hmm. I don't think the cards are on the table just yet. I think Miami made an adjustment. Denver has yet. Denver will in game three. There's probably more adjustments to happen. They get smaller as the series goes on. So that's one difference. My confidence level is still high, in part because 1-1, man. It's first to four. Like, There's a lot more series to go on one way or another. And even if Denver loses this game, I don't think everything shifts. It's like there's a lot more. There's a lot more before we really find out what it looks like with all the cards on the table. What do you think, D-Line? I am nervous because every game is a big game. From I mean, we're in the highest. Like every game we play from this point on will be the biggest game in Denver Nuggets history. So I'm nervous from that standpoint. Yeah. Um, but I am not nervous. Like if you saw... Photos of all of the team at Jeff Green's house last night, eating dinner together. Smiles are big. Vibes are immaculate. Like, these are professional athletes. They're not mired down by the nonsense that we all are as just, you know, plebes and fans. Like, I think that they feel good about who they are. And I don't, I mean, like, three points. Let's play three points, man. Like, they've gone, they have gone into Phoenix and uh, Los Angeles and they didn't lose any games on the road for some time. So I, I just feel like, why would they not be confident? And if you have a confident Nuggets squad, like why, why are you doubting that? I think that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up, the team dinner. Um, like that's a real thing with this team, I think. 
I wrote a whole feature about this a week ago about how the chemistry and the culture of this team was formed during training camp in San Diego when they went out like the team dinners every night and went to all these like group activities. They went to a Padres game together. Like this group is really connected and especially coming off a game two where they felt disconnected. Yeah. I think a team dinner was like an important thing to happen at this stage in the final. So I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Uh, another question here comes from T Sweezy. In what scenario does Oops, Malone Sweezy. T Sweezy? In what scenario does Malone throw a new guy into the rotation and who might it be? To me, the story of game three is less about the who. I think it's the same eight guys. To me, though, it is the Michael Porter game. This is the turning point. Michael Porter plays good defense and or hit shots, but preferably both. I think that he's going to play 30 minutes or more in game three. If he doesn't, I think he's going to play 25 or fewer. I just think this is the game where there's a real chance that Bruce Brown is a better option. And then past that, I don't think you might change the starting lineup. Denver, has, you know, they got off to a 10 to 2 start. A lot of that was defensive breakdowns. If that happens again, you might change it and just say, hey, man, they're putting out a really tough to guard lineup and we need guys that are all locked in and it's man. two games in a row. It didn't happen. I doubt that. I think it more has to do with minute distribution than starting lineup, but I don't think either of those things come in game three unless the wheels come off again. The Nuggets have to change the starting lineup. I think that's they're, bad. they're finished that's bad, in yeah. these finals. I, I don't think that's something they can come back from. Um, but yes, with Michael Porter Jr., I said it on yesterday's show, this is the biggest game of his career. It's the most important game of his career. I agree. I actually agree with that take. I love it. I mean... Everything feels like it might be on the line for him. And and you're right. If he has another game like he had in game two, his minutes are going down in a hurry. He'll still play, but they're going to treat him like a liability. Exactly. If he has a good game, status quo stays the same. Um, he's got a lot on the line, and he's got to show up. I mean, this is this is what we've been building towards. Like, this is put-up-or-shut-up time. Yeah, man, I feel the same way that I felt this entire playoffs. I would love for the back end of the rotation to get a little tinkering and be a little bit more strategic based on lineups or uh, matchups. Um, but I don't, we're just, that's not going to happen. I mean, I, we, we were like blue in the face, just begging that Jeff Green minutes would be reduced and we'd get like a Peyton Watson or maybe a Zeke Najee, Flacco Chanchar, these guys that could like potentially step in. It seems like so unlikely to me that they would finally make that change in the finals. That just seems like you have missed the boat on getting guys ramped up, acclimated, yeah. ready to. Be. It would be crazy, right? That's now. what I'm saying. Zeke Nash. Yeah, like there's this. <laughs> he wasn't no even available for media yeah. at the media <laughs> day. He's not going from not even at. He couldn't me. even get a spot on podium number that? two. At media day, there was only how many guys? I think twelve. Yeah, but how? So three guys didn't talk, and yeah. he was one of them. Like yeah. not even what, couldn't even get on podium available. number two. Yeah, like Mike Malone's like, I, I just can't trust you against. <laughs> Just can't trust yeah. you against the Timberwolves, but yeah. get in there. You're on yeah. Jimmy. Get in there for yeah. game three of a must-win NBA Finals game. I agree. Game. It seems like it's a very slim possibility that they would go to somebody else at this point. I they probably shouldn't. There's one guy. I, I don't. I two percent chance they put somebody in, but if they do, I think there's one guy. Reggie Jackson. That's the guy. Yeah, but I will say they've never trailed in a series yet. In the playoffs. Also true. They've been in control of every single series so far because they've won games one and two. If they lose game three, 
I think something like that shifts to closer to being on the table. One of the storylines I talked about was one of the reasons Bruce might be a better option than Michael Porter, even if Porter plays well, is that if you take away Jamal Murray with Jimmy Butler, having a secondary ball right. handler to be able to attack and to take Butler away from the play, just say, hey, you're not going to leave Murray, so we're going to drag you away and play four on four. If you have a, a somebody that can drive to the basket, that helps, and maybe that's Reggie. That's the only guy I could see getting into the series that's not in it already. And I yeah. again, low odds, yeah. but desperate times fall call for desperate measures and maybe Denver gets that. Um, King Hale asks, who's the Nuggets X factor in game three? I mean, it's Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. I feel like we've yeah. talked about that for two days now. Yeah, I mean, I I, I mean, I said he'd be the, the X factor for the series and that's Aaron Gordon. Like, I if, like it. If we can find Aaron Gordon to get some level of the game one dominance back into game three, I think that 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 just scrambles them a lot. Like th that's when they're like, "Oh God, you know, we have to just worry about physicality and bodies more so than our adjustments and et cetera, et cetera." So I would love to see Aaron Gordon get back to that a little bit. The, he and Jokic playing off one another would be incredible. If Michael Porter Jr. hits four threes, like the Nuggets are yeah, probably winning, definitely for sure. I mean, but if he has seven defensive breakdowns, it cancels it out. I mean, he has to raise both. He has to somewhere make some shots right. and also just not make the big mistakes. Like, if he gets beat on a tough one here and he barely gets beat, that's one thing. When you get beat so bad that a guy just gets a wide open three. And then I'll tell you one other thing about Porter. And this is, I never know how to quantify these things. Porter is very, very, very expressive. And yeah. there, do you guys know a thing Porter does that drives me crazy? But I'll bet you it drives Malone a thousand times crazier. Curious Mike face. The curious Mike face. Okay. But when he makes a mistake or when there's a lack of communication, he does. He kind of quits. And I don't mean quits like fully. But there was one play where they messed up and oh gave Kevin God. Love a wide open three. And there's nothing he could have done about contesting the yeah. three, but he missed. And he's standing next to Bam Adebayo yeah, who ran and chased there. down. And Mike has a tendency to be like, ah. Oh, and he kind of gets the yeah. like this on him, and then the, the ball will bounce. It's like if you wouldn't have done that, you could have grabbed the rebound. Now you double, you compounded your mistakes. Run it out. And this is one of the things I'll have on the list. Bruce just does stuff, and he makes mistakes, but he never stops. He just is like at a hundred percent at all times. And this is the finals. I think that's what it takes. If Michael Porter was making mistakes, but he was also just going so hard that his length was just making things happen. I, it would mitigate some of his shortcomings, in my opinion. Yeah, I, yeah. I think so, too. Um, all right, last one here, and then we'll get out of here. But Jokic Fever Dream, he says, Legler pointed out a number of <laughs> defensive communication and coverages from game one and two. Do you think the nine-day layoff plays a factor in Denver not finding a rhythm in the series? I'll say no. Yeah, it's possible. they won the first game. Because they won, yeah, they won game one. Although they had defensive breakdowns. As Michael Malone said, they did not play well the in game one. He had a lot of open threes in the game The only one difference between missed. games one and two is that the, he didn't make anything, and they made everything, and that was the difference. But here's what I want to say and why I like this question. The playoffs in the NBA now, it's all about styles. It's all about solving different problems. And the team that gets has to solve four different problems en route, and oftentimes there's no similarities. And I think that is true of this one. The Wolves were nothing like the Suns, nothing like the Lakers, and nothing like the Heat. To me, when we talk about Porter specifically, but about Denver's defense generally, the thing that they are being challenged in here that they weren't challenged on in any of the previous three series is complex off-ball action. The Heat, 
making Denver screw up. This is why I just said when Legler says 70%, but will they get that last 30%? To me, it's like this is a new challenge that Denver is actually just not that great at. They're way better than they were in game two, way better. But I don't think they're ever going to just be a shutdown team against this style. They just have to make be better than they were. And that's why I look at that and I say, I don't think it's the nine days off. I don't think it's any of that stuff. I think it's this is a new challenge. Yep. And the question is, if Denver can solve it, they're going to win one of these games by 20. I'm not trying to be yep. I'm not trying to be like arrogant about this. If Denver can figure out how to solve the thing that Miami is really creating problems with them on, they're going to be able to turn those into transition baskets. They're going to be turning those into stops and they're not going to be able to keep pace. But if they can't, I thought Denver would win the series because I didn't think Miami could score with them. They scored with them because of that thing. And if Denver can slow it down, they'll win the series. Yeah. I go back to um, what Michael Malone said after game one at the Nuggets practice, you know, two days later. And um, like after game one, he was like, we did not play well. We haven't done anything yet. And like we know Michael Malone always has a great feel for the locker room and just he knows what his team's mindset is. And I think he was worried about game two. And I think he saw the game two performance coming because he felt like the Nuggets were relaxed. Yeah. After sweeping the Lakers, after, you know, getting some positive press for the first time, you know, in their lives consistently, um, people were talking up the Nuggets, how they should dominate the heat. And I think he felt that his team was relaxed and that's why after game one, he said, we played bad. And we haven't done anything. I think he saw that game two performance potentially coming. And then in game two, the Nuggets did play relaxed. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Great stuff today, fellas. We do get, we had three sickos. Super chatted us on an off day, man. Absolute Jesus. sickos. Get some perspective. <laughs> uh, you want me to read? Okay. Yeah. Steve Augustine says... Miami is Denver's kryptonite, a less talented <laughs> team that overachieves. Funny that Denver is facing what they struggle with the most in the finals. There's probably a Superman where, is there ever an a, 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 a episode where he has to fight like a bizarro Superman? Lots. Lot, There's like, lots of Superman yeah, versus bizarro like, Superman? Well, that's what the next yeah, let me who just win, Wait, who wins though? Yeah, let me just tell you about... All yeah, right, let me just you know tell you what? about Superman and Kryptonite. He always wins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying he's he gets weak for a little bit and then he figures it out. All right, <laughs> man, that's that's a good one. Uh, Josh from Down Under says Denver man, king of the bogans, <laughs> sickest cart. I'm, I'm a bit of a cash up bogan. Australian slang we wouldn't understand unless we hung out with Australians, dude. Somebody, I went on New Zealand radio the other day, and they said that they were fizzing. Yeah, they said, that. "Oh man, we're just absolutely fizzing." It's I've so been watching good. Flight of the Concords. It is the greatest show ever made. Really? <laughs> yes, I. I it, when times are the lowest, I throw on Flight of the Concords, and then uh, life's not so dark anymore. Us summer children, where we weren't built, built for the long winters <laughs> of success. Apparently, I know. Uh, Shelbourne or Shebourne, Shabon, uh, Shabon, uh, ready to buy my DNVR? The Rui adjustment shirt when it comes out. <laughs> Speaking of Speaking which, of which, look at this bad boy. Huh? Oh my god, this, so gorgeous! Huh? It really looks what incredible. A vibes, all the nuggets IRL, are good. Dude. It all just, it the just showed up. Good. It'll be shipping out to everybody that ordered, which there's a lot of you. All this of the summer shirt, right all here. the homies are good. Man, uh, yeah, dude, it's uh, it's on and or popping, guys. I love it. I absolutely love it. Hit that outro music for us, Gail. Uh, guys, 
been a week off, but tomorrow, Wind will be in Miami wearing his new fit. Can't wait yeah, to see keep it. Keep a lookout. Did you have a hat? Like, you know, the little giant sun hat? What are, what are the hats called <laughs> nah, that you wear? I will in, not uh, be a wearing a bucket hat. You need to get a Tyler Hero bucket hat. You need to get a Tyler Hero bucket hat. Can you grow? Cuban. Yeah, the Cuban look. No like, way. Yeah. Absolutely. No way. You wouldn't pull it off? No can way. you grow three to four hairs way too long? Is that possible? <laughs> no. Uh, Wynn's going to be out in Miami covering this live from the arena. We're Josh, be- I knew that Bogan meant uh, uh, meant a hillbilly, but I, I'm a cashed up Bogan. What do you think of that? I heard uh, I heard Margot Roby claim to be a cashed up Bogan. Really? I, I see a lot of myself in her. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what? I agree, man. <laughs> <laughs> Devilishly attractive. <laughs> Can't stop staring. I, yes, exactly, man. Uh, we're going to be back right here tomorrow. We have some guests joining us right in studio. We're going to have Liv Moods in the house tomorrow. I'm excited Liv for Moods. that. The watch along. Ben Carey's going to be joining us for the last show, giving us some bets. It's going to be a good time. And then, of course, the bar is going to be popping. So if you want to be here, be here early. It's going to be another great time as we try to get this thing back on track with the Nuggets W. Hit that like button on the way out. Let's go. See you guys next time.